She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode and we are so excited. We have Stephanie Estima today and she has written a book called The Betty Body and our topic is all about how to be an intuitive eater, how to have balanced hormones and how to have transformational sex. So we are so excited to have you with us. Welcome Dr. Stephanie. Thank you for having me. It's a thrill to be here. So first I want to know you, your title of your brand new book is called the Betty body. How did you even get this kind of name of the Betty body? Yeah, this is so, it's such a fun question to answer because people are like, but your name is Stephanie and why is it Betty? And I don't get it. Yeah. So I have a, like you, I have a podcast. It's called better uh, with Dr. Stephanie. So we started calling our better fans, our Bettys. So it just sort of stuck and it actually just organically took on a life of its own. So people started when they would review the podcast, they would say, I love being a Betty and I want to be a Betty. And so the name of the book, I mean, we talk about, which I know we'll talk about today, but we talk about all these different parameters that are important for female health. And I just you know, everybody's goal is always a little different, right? So it might be weight loss. It might be energy. It might be sleeping better. It might be, you know, just feeling good in your own skin. So everybody has their own unique sort of path and their own journey. So I wanted to call it the Betty body to be able to adapt to any, wherever anybody is in their journey. So that's, that's sort of the origin of, um, of the name. Mm. So let's talk about balancing hormones because I agree. I mean, you can do everything right. And then your hormones are a mess and you're just not going to have weight loss like you want if you don't get that piece right. So explain what were some really practical things that you did to get your hormones completely in check? Oh, this is a great question. So this, I talk about this extensively in the Betty body in the book where I had years and years of horrible menstruation. Like I felt every month I was being punished for being a woman and like any, you know, type a high achieving, very driven woman, I would silence it. I would ignore it because I had bigger mountains to climb. I had to go and achieve and, and I didn't have time for this pesky, you know, menstrual, these menstrual cramps. So for me, um, I really saw a profound change in my menstruation. It was a couple of years ago. I had just finished, um, my clinic had, had, it was a very couple, like a couple of years that were very difficult. So my clinic had burned down and I had to rebuild the clinic. I was going through a divorce with young children. And for any, any of you listening that have ever had to, even if you didn't have children, a divorce is painful no matter which way you slice it. I mean, thankfully I'm, I'm, I'm great friends with, you know, my, uh, my ex now, but at the time it was, it was not so great. Like we were, you know, as any couple would be having, having, you know, some, a, a a tough time at it. So I was really stressed and uh, went, took my kids to uh, Italy for a few weeks, took my family uh, to Europe. And, um, you know, I started like sleeping in and going for walks every day. So I'd go walk to the little coffee shop to get my cappuccino in the morning. And then we'd walk after dinner and I'd spend time at the beach and, you know, lots of activity during the day. And 
towards the end of that trip, um, I got my period and normally it would have been the wor- that that would have been the thing that would have ruined the whole thing. So I would have been holed up in the hotel room, you know, mask on all the medications, but it, it wasn't like that, you know, because I had spent the previous three weeks really like a lot of movement, getting rid of a lot of stress, breathing fresh air, being out in nature, getting sunshine. Um, my, my period was great. It was, it sort of came in, it did its thing, it went. And, you know, I, at first I was like, well, it's just cause like everything's better in Italy, you know, like everything's better in Europe. But, um, you know, what I also knew was that my body also did this, right? So yes, I changed environments, but I also was changing some of my habits as well. So I came back home and I said, okay, how can I like replicate this? How can I continue to do some of these practices that I sort of was naturally doing on vacation? How can I do this in my everyday life? And so I started experimenting with myself, started with my patients in the clinic at the time. And uh, what is uh, sort of, what is, you know, now the book is really just my working body of knowledge in terms of how we balance our hormones. So in the book, I talk about a whole different subset of, of hormonal derangement. So we talk about estrogen dominance. So women who get like super PMSy, lots of, you know, distension and bloating and their, you know, their rings don't fit and they have mood disturbances. Uh, we talk about an, uh, androgen dominance, which is commonly like too much testosterone. So testosterone is not being uh, properly uh, aromatized to estrogens. And we talk about PCOS, which is the most common um, sort of presentation. So polycystic ovary syndrome. We talk about too much cortisol. So what happens when you're chronically stressed? You have this chronic low-grade stress and inflammation. What are some of the pathways that are activated? Why that prevents you from losing weight? And we talk about you know low estrogen, low testosterone, like every sort of permutation that a woman might go through, particularly in perimenopause through to menopause, we cover with some strategies in terms of how you can heal. And the book is really all about foundational basics. Like you can take pills, you can take, you know, I was just speaking to um, a friend of mine and we were talking about bioidenticals and not, not against them. You know, I think that they can be really useful, but if you don't actually fix your hormones, if you don't actually do some of these foundational basics that we outline in the book, like stress reduction and nutritional changes, like fasting, like supplementation, like exercise, like, you know, getting sunshine and fresh air and proper sleep, then you know, you can take the hormones, but you're not actually, it's, it's, you're sort of putting a bandaid on it. So really wanting to think about how we can create some mastery in these foundational pillars and then go up from there. So I'd love to hear what a day in the life looks like for you. So I'd like you to talk about what your workout routine is, what your eating window is, and also what supplements you take to really help you feel like a million bucks. That's a great question. So that actually changes week by week, depending on where I am in my cycle. Um, I can give you sort of the basics and then I can talk about how I sort of nuance it through the month. Um, But basically um, I wake up when the sun wakes me up. So I don't wake up to an alarm. Um, Women, and I talk about this in the book, we have longer sleep cycles than men do. So if you are a woman who sleeps in, you know, the same room as our same bed as a a man, um, you probably should be waking. If you're going to bed at the same time, you you need a little bit more sleep than he does. So um, I wake up with the sun, uh, usually a, a little shot of espresso somewhere around seven or 7.30 in the morning. Um, I like, I am somebody who really likes to do her workouts fasted. So I like to 
train. I train almost every other day. Um, and I also do a lot of, um, a combination of steady state cardio and then the occasional high intensity interval training. So I sort of have a program that I've created for myself where I'm alternating, whether it's like upper body, lower body, you know, it's like back and chest or, you know, legs and, you know, back or whatever, whatever the split is that day. And then if I'm not doing a resistance training that I'm doing, um, that I'm doing the bike. So I, you know, there's many cardio, uh, options, but I have an outdoor bike that, um, I never use. So I, I <laughs> took off the wheel, put it into this, um, um, I, I don't even, it's called the TAC X. So it's basically, it, it's, it's like a, I've changed it into an indoor bike and I have an app that I just, uh, you know, virtually, you know, ride through London or New York or whatever. And a lot of that steady state. And then I can also program in high intensity interval training. So in the summertime, I do my hit stuff outside with the kids. So I like run up and down the street with them. Uh, we do burpees, we do pushups, we do all that stuff. In the winter, I live in a I live in Toronto. So we have all four seasons here. In the winter, my hit stuff is usually indoors on my indoor bike. Um, so that's sort of my workout routine basically. And I'll I'll talk about how I nuance that um to to adhere to my menstrual cycle in the moment. My diet will fluctuate between either being a ketogenic diet or a high protein, um, more of a high protein uh, diet. And I'll talk about why in a moment. And then supplementation again, um, I think every woman, foundational basics, every woman should be taking uh, an omega-3. I think she should be taking a vitamin D3 with a K2. And I think she should be taking magnesium. Like those are sort of the one, two, three that I think most women don't get enough of, uh, or at least you know, in, in the context of omega-3s need to balance out the omega-6 concentration with omega-3s from our diet. Um, and then D3 and magnesium, like firsts and second, you know, when we think about uh, mineral deficiencies uh, and vitamin deficiencies, those are number one and two. So I think that every woman should be taking that. And again, those can like cycle through, um, through, her, cycle, through her menstrual cycle. So that's sort of the overview. Um, I, you know, when you get into the details of the book, um, what you see in there is, is what I have developed for myself and the, like at this point, thousands of patients that I've worked with. So what we do is when we're thinking of, like when we think about exercise, for example, um, a lot of people love, a lot of women will come to me and they'll say, you know, doc, I, I've been doing like HIIT training, like four days a week, five days a week. You know, I'm doing, I'm working out twice a day. I'm restricting my calories and I just can't seem to move this belly weight. Like I can't seem to, for whatever reason, I just feel like I'm gaining weight. And I know that HIIT training is very popular uh, for, with good reason. You know, it's really an efficient workout in a short amount of time. It stimulates different muscle fibers. But if you're always, as a woman, if you were always doing this kind of exercise day in, day out, this is a stress response. Like your body's like, why are we always running away from a tiger? Like, why are we doing this five days a week? Um, and you will begin to, you know, put on belly fat. And that's usually a sign of excess cortisol or, or sympathetic tone or dominance. So um, I really love for most women to be doing hit like once, maybe, maybe twice, maybe twice a week. Um, and then there's certain times in her menstrual cycle that I actually want her to stay away from it completely. So 
Um, I talk about this in the book, how w- when we have estrogen sort of peaking uh, in her concentration in, that se- in, in week two of your cycle, this tends to make our ligaments really lax. So it makes our ligaments like loosey-goosey. So if you're doing burst training or like explosive power, when your ligaments are loose, you know, you're sort of setting yourself up for injury. Um, so I, in that second week of your cycle, I like you to completely stay away from HIIT training. There are other great times in the month that you can do it, but what we know in, from the literature is that women in their cycling years tend to have more ligamentous injuries, particularly they've studied the ACL, which is a big, um, um, the anterior cruciate ligament, which is like a big ligamentous structure in the knee. When you are doing things like the burpees and the sprints and the, you know, the pelotons and the, all the, all the things, uh, you tend to, you tend to blow out the knee, uh, which is, um, you know, when we think about under the influence of estrogen, you're going to have that, that knee joint is going to be much loosey, like very loosey goosey under the, under the influence. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of how I nuance things. Um, I I don't know if I've answered your question or if you have any follow-on. So so give me a typical lunch for you, like on a certain day, like what would you normally eat for lunch? What would you normally eat for dinner? Kind of what's kind of your favorite go-to's? Well, um, I am a woman of simplicity, so I like to do a lot of vegetable prep on the weekend. So usually we'll do a big grocery shop. And on Sunday, I've cut up all my broccoli. I've cut up all my peppers. I've cut up all my cauliflower, my Brussels sprouts. So for example, today for lunch, I had, you know, if you sort of had a bird's eye view of my, of my plate, it was uh, broccoli stems because my family, so my family, we have to, when I'm cutting up the broccoli, I have to put the the trees are like the flowering part of the broccoli. I have to separate those from the stalks because my my young sons will only eat the flowering parts. So I typically eat the stalks, they eat the flowers. So I had the stalks of the broccoli sort of, you know, lining the plate. Um, I had some chicken, uh, like chicken thighs that I had just like from last night's dinner that I had baked. And um, I had some olive oil, some salt. What else did I have on there? I had a little bit of um, Lebanese um, uh uh, yogurt, like it's called lebne, which is just like really thick, uh, really thick yogurt with a couple of, um, um, Middle Eastern spices on it. So that was what I, that's like a typical lunch for me. Um, lunch is usually leftovers from the, from the night before. So I will make, you know, um, a lemon citrus chicken. Like I'll take a whole chicken, stuff it with oranges and lemons and, you know, bake it in the oven for, you know, an hour and a half to two hours, put some roasted potatoes on the bottom. So all the drippings kind of, you know, season, uh, season the potatoes. That's a really favorite. Uh, one of my families, there's so many, so many things that I love. So chicken meat, uh, with it, with a, you know, the, the general, um, uh, construction of my diet is lots of plants on the, on the base of the plate. And then there's a protein. It's about the size of my hand and then sort of, you know, olive oil or avocado oil as the, as the dressing with some salt and seasoning. Hey guys, I'm so excited. My new book, One Meal and a Tasting is out now. And if you order the book on Amazon, just the regular paperback edition, if you go in and make a review, you will get the audio book for free. Send a copy of your receipt to questions at ChantelRayway.com and you'll get the audio book right away. Mm. Well, I've got a listener question that I'd like to ask you. And this is from Maria Diego 
in Tamarindo, Costa Rica. Um, I am actually, one of my really good friends is moving to Costa Rica and I'm planning on going there in April. Everyone is moving to Costa Rica. I know. It's like, there's a big, like energetic pull. Everyone I know is moving there as well. Yes. Wonderful. I know. I'm so excited about it. Um, so anyway, this is from Maria. She says, I want to thank you for helping me lose 15 pounds. I am binging on your podcast, but I still have 15 pounds to go, which is not coming off. I do intermittent fasting and do keto most of the time. Have you heard of keto cycling? And the other thing that I'm really struggling with is brain fog. Is there anything you can help me with that will get rid of brain fog? So keto cycling is one of the main constituents in our book. So the answer is yes, I've heard of keto cycling and yes, you should do it. So um, I, I love the idea for all women to start off with a, uh, a stint of pure ketosis for a couple of weeks. So I usually will say 28 days. This is a you know very female number. So I love, you know, 28 days for a woman to be in ketosis Um and there's several reasons for that. One, we want to get her used to being a fat burner and getting into her, uh, you know, the ability for her to make ketone bodies. And then once she's done that, I actually like to cycle in and out of keto. So I was saying to you before, you know, depending on where you are in your cycle, if, assuming that she's still a woman in her um, reproductive years, you know, I love in the in her bleed week, so the the week where she has her period for her, you know, maybe not the first day because the first day is a little crampy, a little sluggish, but once she sort of gets into the rhythm of things, that's a great week to try a ketogenic diet or to go keto. It's also a really great week to do if you're doing any type of fasting or you're new to fasting, it's a great week for you to play with fasting as well. And then in that second week, so once you finish your period, now we're in the week right before ovulation. And for women who are not aware of this, ovulation is actually the main reason. It is the main event of our cycle. It's everyone always focuses on our period because it's very obvious, but the main reason why we cycle is to release an egg for fertilization. So this second week, we see a lot of hormonal changes in the uh, in our bodies as women or um, you know, uh, we, we'll see estrogen, uh, spiking, we'll see testosterone spiking. So this is a really great time to actually move away from keto and to increase your protein. So I actually will pull, um, you know, a woman, if she's in week one in her bleed week, if she's doing, let's say 70% fat, 20% of her food is coming from protein and then 10% is coming from her carbohydrates. In week two, I'll actually change those macros quite a bit. So I'll bring the 70% down to 40. I'll double the protein. So in week one, it was 20. So now we have 40% of her calories are coming from protein. And then I'll also double her carbs. So she was 10% in week one. Now she's 20%. And the reason for this is that as a woman, one of the best things that we can do, irrespective of your age, but in particular, if you are in menopause or perimenopause, so between the ages of 35 and like 50, one of the things we want to be thinking about is creating new muscle or at the very least, maintaining the muscle that you have so you don't lose it. But ideally, you're adding to the muscle um, that you have. And you can do that in the gym, but you can also do it in the kitchen. So if you are increasing your protein this week, you're coordinating that with testosterone. So now you can profit off of testosterone's ability to create 
and maintain lean muscle mass. And so that would be something that I would recommend for her in that second week. And in the third week and fourth week, we repeat those two patterns. So we come back to keto in week three. There's a couple of things I would add there, like resistant starches, um, making sure she's having lots of insoluble fiber, um, which is going to help with her bowel movements, her cravings, her sleep, all the things that we tend to see in the second. If you're someone who suffers from PMS, this is like a great time um, to add in like more, more insoluble fiber, more green leafy vegetables, some resistant starches. And then in week four, it's back to that high protein, a higher carb mix. Um, and that is again, because we tend to like, everything tends to be a little harder that week, right? So uh, protein is very satiating. Uh, and I actually recommend in week four for all women to increase uh, their calories in week four. And that can really feel scary for a lot of women because we're often we're all like, you know, there's one point I remember I had a woman, she was about 45. She came into my clinic. She's like, I've been on a diet for like 30 years, you know? So, and we, we've just been taught always calorie restrict, always, always calorie restrict. But this week in particular, you need to bump up your calories a little bit because your body is creating this new organ. It's creating this endometrial lining for whether or not you're, you know, you want children, your body's going to do that no matter what. And we need to be giving our bodies a little bit more calories in this last week so that your body can help build up the endometrial lining because you need it. And then next, you know, the next week is your bleed week. You go back to that keto, um, you go back to that keto protocol. So that's how I would structure her keto cycling. Um, in terms of the, I believe there was a comment there around brain fog. You'll probably find that when you start cycling your keto and you're, you're training and you're lifting weights more often, you will very likely find that your brain fog will be ameliorated. It's going to improve. And if it still doesn't improve after you've done some nutrition, you know, the nutrition changes and the exercise train changes, then we can look at supplementation to help, uh, you know, supplement your lifestyle. So we might look at the omega-3s. We might look at some evening primrose oil. We may look at curcumin. Human. We may look at uh, some of these other things that are known to help uh, reduce brain fog as well. All right. This next one is from Jennifer in Houston. I'm a new I'm a new podcast listener to your show, and I'm so excited I found it. I listened to a bunch of your older podcasts, and I listened to so many, but this guy was talking about estrogen dominance, and he was talking about DIM. And I found an estrogen detox on Amazon called estrogen detox. And I was wondering, when is the best time of the menstrual cycle to do this? Should I take it all the time? Or I think he said something about a certain number of days help. So I have no idea what product. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I can't really comment on that. What I can comment on is if you are someone who is estrogen dominant. So what that might look like is in the two weeks before your period, uh, you may notice that your appetite, you may have cravings. You may find that your bowel movements really slow down. You may find that you're bloated. You may find that you're more moody and irritable. You may find that your sleep is disturbed. Then there are some natural things that you can absolutely do to help amplify that. So I know it's really easy to go on Amazon and sort of pick a, you know, some sort of detox or kit or whatever, but you can actually do this in your, in your kitchen and you're going to be taking in some of these natural compounds that are designed for your body. So one of the things I like to talk about with estrogen dominance is looking at two uh, main systems. So one is your liver and the other is your gut. 
And the reason for that is when we think about your liver, one of her jobs, she has many, uh, but one of her jobs is detoxification. And what that means that's not a juice cleanse. Like, you know, it's not like a, you know, Instagram influencer, you know, detox or something, but it, what it is, is your liver is basically taking hormones, taking toxins, changing them into intermediates, and then allowing for your body to excrete them. So through the urine, through the gut, through the bowel, et cetera. Um, one of the ways that you can amplify this detoxification is by eating more cruciferous vegetables. So cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts. Um, the whole brassica family really is um, just amazing because they have this component called sulforaphane, which is going to amp up liver detoxification. And why this is important is for a woman who is estrogen dominant, very often, not all the time, but most times what we see is that her liver is sluggish in terms of her detoxification capacity or her bowel movements are sluggish or both. So the sulforaphanes help to amp up um, detoxification, which allows you to get rid of estrogen. So estrogen's golden rule is use it and then lose it. So if we can amp it up from the liver, and then if you start consuming more insoluble fibers, you are going to help with your bowel movements. So insoluble fibers are abundant in most green leafy vegetables. So, you know, uh, arugula and kale and spinach and, you know, bok choy and the collards and, you know, all the green leafy vegetables that you can find in your grocer. This is going to help attract water to the bowel as it's passing through the intestines. And it's going to help you eliminate uh, estrogen with the bowel movement. So, um, that that would be my first actual intervention with her is not to have some sort of um, kit that she's ordering on you know wherever. Well, she's saying in the she said that in there it was talking about dim. So I think whatever supplement it has it must has some other things. But the guy on the podcast was specifically talking about dim. Right. And so if, you know, DIM, what we know about DIM is that it does help with estrogen metabolism and moving, um, you know, the metabolites through to that 2-OH or 2-hydroxy pathway, which is our protective pathway. But it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, to comment on where she should be without really knowing, you know, much about her or much about her constitution or her genes or her lifestyle, um, which is why I think, um, starting with nutrition might be the better uh, starting point for her. I mean, she can always add in DIM, uh, you know, under the guidance of a uh, of a functional healthcare provider or her primary healthcare provider after she's really mastered some of these more basic foundations. But I think starting off with DIM. Um, you know, if, if you don't have the machinery in place, like if your liver isn't working and your gut isn't working, like, sure, you can take it, but you're not, you're sort of now just putting a bandaid over it without actually getting to some of the root causes of why that's happening in the first place. So I would, I would counsel her, um, to, to start with the, with the amping up her, her systematic ability to get rid of estrogen. Now, one of the things I know you talk about is you have something called the Estima Principles, for weight loss for women and metabolism. So talk about what is that and how did you come up with that name? 
Well, it's, um, you know, I, I have a program called the Estima Diet, uh, which is just named after my last name. I have no, there was no creativity there. <laughs> so it's just named after, uh, just named after me. And what that, that diet is, is a female centric ketogenic diet. So we talk about some of the things we've been talking about today, really. So we talk about insoluble fibers. We talk about resistant starches. We talk about it being, you know, mostly plants. So like a really nice plant-based ketogenic diet. Um, you know, I mod modify, like if you're a vegetarian, you can do it. If you are a meat eater, you can do it. Um, I'm, I am a meat eater, but of course, knowing that not everybody follows that uh, regime, of course you can adapt to it if you're a vegetarian or, or a vegan. Um, and that, that's really what, that's really what it is. It's, it's a, it's a ketogenic diet for women. Mm. So what would you say are some of your tips when you're talking about the kind of keto cycling. So how many days would they kind of be on keto versus when they would cycle off? Usually it's, um, it's week by week. So I will usually have when they've, when they've gotten to that stage, um, in the Betty body, I like them to be seven days about it's, it's actually, let me actually back up. It's about seven days, but it really depends on the length of her cycle. So I have created seven day chunks, assuming that most women have somewhere between a 28 and a 29 day cycle. But if you are a woman who has a 32 day cycle or a 30 day cycle, each like the time that you spend in each of these weeks is going to be slightly different. Like you may spend an extra day um, in each one. So the first thing to know is how long your cycle is. And we talk about this in the Betty body. The first thing you need to do as a woman is to be tracking your cycle. You need to know how long it is. You need to be able to retrieve data like during your bleed week, you know, how long is your bleed? What is the quality of your bleed? How much, you know, is there clotting? What's the color? Like there's so many different things we want to be monitoring around our bleed week. And then generally our symptoms and our energy levels and, you know, our sleep all the way through our cycle so that we can begin to um, make some of these smaller changes. So the short answer is about seven days, um, but it depends on the length of her of her cycle. So if it's 30, you just sort of divide 30 by four. And I'm afraid I can't do that off the top of my head. It's going to be a little more than seven. Um, it'll be, yeah, like seven and a half uh, days. So you might, you, you might go from there. So let's talk about brain fog for a second. What would you say that you notice when people come to you and they say, brain fog is my biggest issue? What do you feel like is the biggest cause of that brain fog? Well, brain fog is, is essentially inflammation, right? It's inflammation in the brain. And that can be a whole host of things. So that could be poor sleep. It could be poor nutrition. It could be, you know, living a sedentary lifestyle. It could be unprocessed emotional trauma, whether that's big trauma or little trauma from, from experiences in your life. So whenever someone comes in with brain fog, I would say the most, like a woman who's in her mid forties, this is the time when she's like, I just cannot, I walk into a room. I have no idea why I've gone there. I can never, I never know where I left my phone. Never, never know where I left my keys. Like these are some of the, you know, early signs that someone may have some kind of inflammation, not just in the brain, but systemically. So um, one of the ways that I like to um, combat this is to start thinking about how 
you know, one of the most healing things that we can do for the brain is to actually move our bodies. And that doesn't necessarily mean doing classes all day long or, you know, you know, going all out balls to the wall, like killing ourselves on the bike or, you know, on the, you know, running outside or whatever. But I, what I'm talking about is low level activity. So, walking. You know, I have right now, uh, we're recording uh, this conversation. I, even though I'm not walking right now, I have a walking treadmill at this desk. So I'm standing up and this is actually how I do most of my work is I have, you know, I'm walking at like two miles an hour and I do that for, you know, save for when I'm on podcasts, I do that most of the day. So what I'm doing there is I'm getting this low level activity all day long. And why that's important for brain fog is of course our motor cortex, which is an area in the frontal lobe in the brain, which is involved in receiving information from the body and also directing uh, movement into the body is going to be activated. There's going to be more blood flow there. There's going to be more neuronal activation in there. And this is the motor cortex is part of our frontal lobe. So the frontal lobe, um, just for my geeks who are listening, is um, is just the area in the brain that's involved in the executive control. It helps us plan and make decisions about the future. And it also, importantly, inhibits lower brain centers. So it'll inhibit our emotional centers. So when your frontal lobe is very strong, you have better emotional regulation than you otherwise would. So if you're someone, for example, who's had a lot of emotional trauma, and you know you can define that as you know, I've had many um, uh, psychiatrists and psychologists on my podcast, and we sort of have loosely defined, you can have like the big trauma that we all think of, like, you know, falling off a ladder or living in a mold home or, you know, being physically assaulted or sexually assaulted. These are sort of big traumas uh, that we think of, but it can also be smaller T traumas. It can be having parents who didn't accept you for who you are. It could be parents who uh, overlaid their expectations on who you are. And if that if that has not been metabolized in your own system, then of course that's going to cause a lot of aggravation in the emotional centers of the brain and generally in the body. So um, one of the best things I love to recommend for anyone who has any type of inflammation is low level movement. So it's it's in the literature, it's referred to as NEAT so N-E-A-T, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So walking out in, like taking your kids for a walk after school or you going for a walk, listening to a podcast, uh, getting a walking treadmill as I have, like, you know, I always joke and say like cleaning, like your mother-in-law's coming over, you know, like you always just clean a little, a little bit more when, um, when you have company. So that low level activity is really going to help to first use some of your bigger, bigger muscles in the body, right? Your legs are working. Um, but it's also going to be, as I mentioned, activating some of these brain centers that are going to help reduce some of that brain fog. So that would be like, the first thing. And then, you know, we want to also make sure that we're, you know, just crossing our T's and dotting our I's, like you're well hydrated. You're making sure that you're taking in enough water during the day, that you have sleep. Your sleep hygiene is on point. You're making sure that you're not in front of your device or you're not watching television or you're not on your phone late into the night where you're impairing and inhibiting your ability to fall asleep, which of course the next day is going to lead to lots of brain fog and inflammation and poor partitioning of fuels and all the things that poor sleep does. So 
those would sort of be one, two, and three um, for me. And actually I'll, I'll throw one more in here. That's really, really powerful for women, which is cold therapy. Mm. So you don't need to go to a cryotherapy center. You can just in your daily shower, last 30 seconds of the shower, turn off the heat. Um, so to the point where you're shivering, like if you imagine, you know, when you first jump into the lake, let's say in the summer, lake's kind of cold, right? So we want to have that sort of like, oh my gosh, this is freezing, but then you get into it. That is really going to help uh, reduce inflammation and it is going to help activate um, a whole bunch of processes, but uh, generally it helps a lot. Uh, clinically, I've seen that help a lot with brain fog. I love that. And I will tell you for walking is the great elixir. Like I can't even stress enough. Like I could be like brain fog, feeling like down in the dumps, like just everything. I will literally go outside, go for a five minute walk. I come back, I'm like a new person, but a three mile walk every day is so powerful for me doing. I just started back doing cryotherapy. We have one right by my office and I'm telling you, it makes such a difference. So I can really relate to everything you're saying. It's really wonderful. So thank you so much for being on our show. Tell listeners where they can find your new book and where they can find you and follow you. Oh, well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so happy we got to spend this time together. So if you if you want to find the book, the name of the book is The Betty Body. Uh, anywhere that online, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere that you might buy uh, a book. And then what I would love for you to do is after you buy the book, head over to bettybodybook.com. And there, what I've done is as a companion to the book, I've structured a nutrition programming, I've designed exercise programs for you to do at home and rehabilitation so that there's no, like you have all the information, you have all the geeky science, you have all the great stuff that I talk about in the book, but then I also give you like exactly the how-to so you don't have to think, it's just there for you. So bettybodybook.com is where you can find all of those juicy goodies. That's awesome. I think you should just change your first name. (laughs) Like you should, you should just change it to like, Betty Stephanie Estima <laughs> and just call it the Betty body. Like, honestly, just, just do it. Just be like, yeah, everyone, I've just changed my first name. And because you've got such a perfect, perfect body, you can kind of be like, you know, play off like the Betty boop, you know, how yes, yes, animated yes. cartoon character that has yeah. that real skinny waist. Yeah. Um, so you'll, you know, kind of have that going for you too. Well, you are absolutely stunning and gorgeous. I'm so excited about your new book. Congratulations. And I encourage all of you to pick up that new book. It looks amazing. Can't wait to get my hands on that. And if you guys want to find out more, check out the show notes. We'll put all the details there and you guys stay tuned. We've got another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.